0: Hello, and welcome to In Conversation with a podcast from The Lancet Psychiatry. It's February, 2024, and I'm Sophia Davis, senior editor at Lancet Psychiatry. And this month I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Vincenzo Oliva in Barcelona, whose new research on medications for psychotic depression is published in RSU this month. Vincenzo, welcome to the podcast. Before we dive into discussing your paper. Could you start by telling us a little bit about you and your work?
1: I am a psychiatrist and researcher at the Bipolar and Depressive Disorder Unit at the Hospital Clinic in Barcelona, in Spain. And uh, as a psychiatrist, I work in the clinical setting of psychiatric emergencies, while uh, as a researcher, I mainly work on the personalization of pharmacological treatments for bipolar disorder and major depression.
0: Let's begin with some context on psychotic depression. Tell us a bit about what that is in terms of people's experience and what clinicians are looking out for in differential diagnosis there say compared with a primary psychotic disorder with depressive symptoms.
1: Uh psychotic depression is a, a severe form of depression characterized by the presence of psychotic symptoms, uh, which can occur in the context of a major depressive disorder or uh, a bipolar disorder. Individuals with psychotic depression may experience intense feelings of sadness, hopelessness, and lack of motivation or interest in, in things. Uh, similar to those with non-psychotic depression. However, what sets psychotic depression apart is the additional presence of psychotic symptoms. These symptoms include uh, delusions, which are false beliefs indicating an abnormality in the person's thought content, and uh, uh, hallucinations, uh, usually auditory perceptions that seem real but only exist in one person's mind. This condition is much more common than one might think. It is estimated that the median proportion of patients with psychotic depression is 28% of all patients with depression. This means we are talking about nearly one patient in every three and the percentage increases in older age groups and slightly in women. Additionally, an important study on psychotic depression has suggested that these numbers may be underestimated. Clinicians may fail to recognize psychosis or patients may minimize or not report psychotic symptoms. Therefore, As he rightly suggests, it is crucial to make an accurate diagnosis of the disorder and conduct a proper differential diagnosis. According to the fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorder, the DSM 5, the distinction between psychotic disorders and a major depressive episode with psychotic features depends on the temporal relationship between the mood symptoms and psychosis. If uh, psychotic symptoms occurs only during a major depressive episode, the diagnosis is of psychotic depression. However, we know that in clinical settings, this distinction is very challenging, uh, especially in a first episode psychosis. Patients with psychotic disorders like schizophrenia frequently present depressive symptoms in comorbidity or the so-called negative symptoms such as apathy, blunted affect, anhedonia, which can be confused with depressive symptoms and complicate the differential diagnosis. So uh, I think that we also need some additional elements for a correct diagnosis. What we need is a deeper study of the psychopathology now i i understand that this point may be less straightforward to follow especially for those listening who do not work in this field but i will try to make the concept as simple as possible psychopathology is the branch of psychiatry that deals with the study of the clinical presentation of mental disorders. And there are various levers at which a disorder can be studied. I remember that my professor during my residency used to mm, compare uh, psychopathology with uh, to a description of a house inhabited by a patient. Psychopathology can be only an external description of the house that a patient lives in and of the objects that the patients bring out of it, but psychopathology can also mean being invited into the house and trying to empathically experience how a patient lives in it. So far, we have described the external of the house. If we go inside, we can see that patients with psychotic depression tend to be hyper-identified with their social roles and moral judgments, uh, often presenting delusions of guilt and self-accusation. These delusions frequently involve uh, irrational beliefs about past behaviors leading to immense guilt or personal ruin, such as the belief of having destroyed one's life, relationships or career. On the other hand, Patients with schizophrenia are outsiders, lack social roles, and often have ontological or epistemological delusions. For example, someone may believe that they possess special knowledge or insights that others do not have, or that the uh, external world does not truly exist, but is merely a creation of their mind. These types of delusions are very rare in people with depression. To put it in the words of the DSM, we may say that patients with psychotic depression more often have psychotic symptoms that are congruent with mood. In conclusion, uh, to, to achieve a correct diagnosis, it is very important to establish a good relationship with the patient so that psychotic symptoms can be brought to the light and and especially considering that psychotic depression is associated with a higher risk of suicide compared to non-psychotic depression.
0: I see, so it's quite important to think about the kind of delusion, the kind of content of the delusion, but then I can imagine that must be tricky because people don't always want to say that right away. It can take time within a relationship with a psychiatrist to actually talk about the content of the delusion so i can see how that would make diagnosis a bit tricky
1: yes this is always the the key points the to have an empathically approach patient-centered approach um, because you know if you go if we go much more inside of this we can see that the crucial elements in a in a framework in a in a phenomenological you know uh, framework we can see that the crucial element upon which to base the differential diagnosis between psychosis and depression is the uh, is finally the, the, the experience of time. Uh, patients with psychotic depression are trapped in their present and weighed down by their past, while patients with schizophrenia, despite the severity of their condition, still demonstrate a certain orientation toward future. So, to 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 understand these points we we need to uh, to empathically understand what the patient is 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 feeling and is living
0: so now that we have that established uh, what we're talking about let's start to look at your paper so then you had been looking at, at medications being used for psychotic depression and looking at their the different efficacy and safety of various different medications Uh, What made you decide to do this particular piece of research, and what was your main aim?
1: Um, Look, I I think uh, this was a a particular case where a clinical need and a research interest matched producing this piece of research. Uh, In my clinical practice, I have encountered many patients with psychotic depression, and I have repeatedly faced the lack of evidence for the treatment of this condition. Uh, Guidelines suggest that a combination of an antidepressant and an antipsychotic is the best option, but uh, there was a a lack of evidence on which specific medication to use. Therefore, uh, I have frequently observed patients who did not respond to an initial treatment undergoing a trial and error approach with uh, a switch to another drug or an augmentation with a different pharmacological agent until finding an effective treatment. This approach increases the time to achieve response, increases the, the length to, to, of stay in the hospital and the risk of relapses. And on the other hand, decreases the likelihood of a complete recovery from, from an episode. This gap in the knowledge Align with our research interest on the problem of the lack of response to pharmacological treatment and on personalization of treatments. Uh, Indeed, the the, the issue of non-response is a central theme in psychiatry. Uh, One out of every three patients with a major psychiatric disorder, such as schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, or major depression, um, does not respond to the first-line medication with the negative consequences of the trial and error approach we we discussed. So uh, to avoid this, uh, we must aim at precision psychiatry. We must aim at personalizing treatment for each individual patient, at prescribing the right medication at the right time for the right patient. So our piece of research was born in response to these needs and our aim was to fill this gap in the knowledge.
0: And this is really one of the things that we found uh, so appealing about your paper that it was um, comparing individual drugs and combinations of them, and uh, looking at different groups of medications uh, like SSRIs or tricyclic antidepressants, or first or second generation antipsychotics. And then this detailed network approach um, was really interesting. But since so many drugs were compared in your paper, and to our listeners, it's really worth taking a look at the paper and looking at the figures which have all the detailed comparisons. Since so many drugs were compared, can you tell us what you see as being really the most important of findings?
1: The main problem in this field is that very few randomized controller trials have been conducted on the treatment of psychotic depression, and they have investigated drugs that are different from each other, preventing the classic meta-analytical synthesis and the drawing of, of, of any conclusions on the birth treatment option. With our study and its network approach, we aim to adopt as comprehensive an approach as possible to provide clinicians with useful and effective information for their daily clinical practice, comparing all medication among themselves and also grouping them in pharmacological classes. Our main finding is that the combination of fluoxetine and olanzapine showed the best balance of efficacy and safety for the treatment of psychotic depression compared to placebo now we can finally give a recommendation on which therapy to use for psychotic depression this specific combination has already showed its efficacy in other severe forms of depression in indeed unipolar and bipolar treatment resistant depression benefits of the, uh, olanz- the fluoxetine olanzapine combination in addiction uh, uh, we, uh, as we said, we we also grouped the the, the medications according to their pharmacological classes. Uh, we believe that in a field where the evidence is is scarce, informing clinicians about which pharmacological class is preferable is highly informative and supports the the personalization of treatment. At this level, our main finding is that the use of a combination of a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor and a second-generation antipsychotic may be the best treatment option for psychotic depression. And why is this information so useful uh, to personalize treatments? For example, if prescribing olanzapine is not feasible for a patient with diabetes due to olanzapine metabolic side effects, the clinicians know that it is still better to use another second-generation antipsychotic with uh, a potentially fewer metabolic side effects than a first-generation antipsychotic. So in, in, in conclusion, we, we have provided a, a recommendation on, on the best therapy to use for psychotic depression, uh, both in terms of specific drugs and broader pharmacological classes
0: yeah and that is so useful as you mentioned before with the trial and error approach that you've often been using you you could also say that this this data is aggregated across so many individuals that for each patient as you mentioned with someone in your case with someone with diabetes for each patient you've got to take different factors into consideration see how they get on with a particular medication so What should patients and clinicians be taking into consideration when they're looking at your findings and trying to work out how to put them into practice? Or or were there any other limitations to your work?
1: Yes, thank you, because this is exactly the point I want to get to. Uh, Meta-analytical evidence uh, is crucial for understanding which therapies may be more effective and safe in the treatment of a specific condition. But then, each psychiatrist in its clinical practice faces an individual patient and each patient is different from another. Unfortunately, in in psychiatry, we still don't have biomarkers to base our clinical choices on. I mean, we don't have objectively measurable indicators for pharmacological responses to therapeutic interventions. So, for A good clinically-based precision psychiatry, it is crucial to take into account a series of clinical factors before administering any medication. The most important, uh, the choice of a medication should always be discussed and agreed with the patient. Uh, This point is crucial for establishing a good therapeutic alliance and ensuring good treatment adherence. Other factors will be um, uh, the past response. If a subject uh, has already responded to a specific medication in the past, this is the strong criteria for prescribing, prescribing the same medication again. Very important are also possible pharmacokinetic and pharmacodynamic interaction patients may often present with other pharmacological treatments or medical comorbidities, such as diabetes, as we mentioned before, that must be considered before the administration of other drugs. Last but not least, uh, no drug is completely free of side effects and tolerability is a gift for individualized treatment. Not only we have to avoid side effects, but we uh, uh, we uh, have to think to n- n- use side effect as therapeutic effect in some measure. For example, if a patient with depression has difficulty in sleeping, I will prescribe a single antidepressant that can induce in the night, that can induce somnolence instead of giving combinations of medications for different symptoms, such as a benzo in this case. And, Coming to the limitation of the limitations of our study, it's it's obviously as some depending both on the studies on which it is based and on the study itself. Uh, uh, however, I think the most important one is that uh, we still lack evidence on specific patient subpopulations. For example, uh, uh, re- recently I was in the emergency room and I saw a patient with uh, a postpartum psychotic depression. And no studies have been conducted on these women at such a fragile moment in their lives. And in these cases, uh, prescribing is based on a delicate mm, balance between the risk and benefit of administering specific drugs based on the patient's condition.
0: Yeah, and that that almost points towards where we should go from here in thinking about subpopulations, but sticking with your current research, what are you hoping these findings will mean for the field? You'd mentioned guidelines at the beginning and how the guidelines are not that specific. So what are you hoping it will mean in terms of how psychotic depression is seen by people, how it's, how it's treated and how it's researched?
1: I think psychotic depression is an underdiagnosed, undertreated, and understudied condition compared to other mental disorders. I hope that, uh, thanks to the significant platform that The Lancet provides, we can together shed a new light on psychotic depression. Considering its prevalence and its clinical implications, uh, it's Absurd that only 16 randomized controlled trials have been conducted on this disorder, with the most recent one being more than 10 years ago. Moreover, uh, patients with psychotic depression are systematically excluded from RCTs uh, um, studying newer treatments, even though preliminary studies such, mm, have, have shown that uh, newer drugs such as ketamine could be effective in the treatment of psychotic depression. I hope that new randomized controlled trials can be conduct can be conduct uh, to better identify the new treatment options for psychotic depression.
0: Yeah. And it, is that something that you will be trying to do in the future? What's what's next for you in this line of research? What what will you move on to after this study?
1: Our research team in Barcelona is continuously active and at the forefront of trials related to the uh, treatment of mood disorders. We are leading and participating in several trials aimed at deeply personalizing uh, psychosocial and pharmacological treatments for mood disorders. Uh, In our view, achieving a good level of personalization will be possible by considering several patient characteristics at the same time, and indeed, different types of data ranging from genetics to environmental factors, from neuroimaging to actigraphy, psychological, and so on. And the ultimate goal is to contribute to the future development of models capable of early identification of patients who will not respond to standard treatments. This could have significant clinical implications. Uh, as these patients may benefit from medication augmented with non-pharmacological intervention or may benefit from early intensive pharmacological treatment rather than following the traditional stepwise trial and error approach. In conclusion, uh, we believe uh, that we are living in a period of great advancements in technology and computational science and this uh, coupled with an empathic and patient-centered approach can help us to assist our patients in an increasingly personalized and effective way.
0: Excellent. Well, I look forward to hearing more of the research that comes from your group. Okay, well, we'll leave it there for now. So for people who want to see more detail on a very detailed study, they can have a look at the at the paper online. You can read Dr. Oliva's research online now at thelancet.com. So thank you, Vincenzo. And thanks to all the listeners for tuning into this episode of In Conversation With. And remember, you can subscribe to In Conversation with The Lancet Psychiatry wherever you usually get your podcasts.